Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a realm where business insights meet the personal touch. I'm your host, Malika, and you've just tuned into the exciting world of SuitUp. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Vedna Khwani, who is a law student at Queen Mary, and we're going to discuss his personal journey of securing a training contract at Stevenson Hardwood being mentioned in Business Insider, The Times, alongside other achievements. And we're also going to have a little deep dive into venture capital, what it is, and its development in the recent years. Hi, Ved. Hi, lovely to speak to you today. Lovely to speak to you too. Thank you so much for coming. So I just want to start off by kind of discussing your years during your law degree and you know how you got into entrepreneurship. So yeah. was that kind of always the plan or were there some experiences that, you know, drove you and sh- shaped your career aspirations today? Um, so I guess I always thought I would end up studying law and I did at Queen Mary. Um, but because of my A-levels being cancelled, I actually ended up joining a startup part-time um, mm-hmm. over the summer, which got me really interested in the space and led me to then join a VC fund in the September of my first year. So just when I was starting university um, and I was with them um, in the freelance capacity that I was working for them in for nearly two academic years. So a good 18 to 20 months. And I'm still kind of part of their widest scout community. And that fund's called Aid Adventures. But along the way, I've kind of been dabbling in other things. I guess that those two experiences at the start really got me interested. But once you get to university, you see there's so many more opportunities to try new things out. And I think that that kind of kept me on this path. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So could you just clarify what venture capital is and what a venture capital fund is and how you can even you know get involved in that, especially as a first year student? I think that was quite impressive. Yeah, so venture capital is an asset class or an alternative asset class and VC funds, so venture capital funds, they deploy money into early stage startups. So these startups have a higher potential of failing, but if they succeed, they have a much higher potential of getting much bigger returns for the fund than say investing in real estate or infrastructure or things like that and so i guess it's kind of this this dichotomy of high risk high reward and i will give you a kind of bit of a brief background of how these funds work so a vc fund you'll have kind of gps which are general partners and they run the fund so they are the people on the day-to-day managing the money and investing it but the money doesn't belong to them the money comes from lps so lps are limited partners so they could be pension funds they could be sovereign wealth funds they could be fund of funds they could be high net worth individuals so they give their money to vc funds to deploy into startups hoping that rate of return of investment will be higher so they'll get exponential kind of returns on how much they initially put into the fund um and so on your second point like how did i get involved i i think it was quite a unique opportunity the founder 
at the first startup who I was working for found out that they were looking for a freelancer, hence I ended up joining them. But a lot of VC is kind of network-based. Most roles aren't advertised, even the full-time ones at smaller funds. A lot of it's who you know and how you know them. So like going to events, getting to know people, asking people for advice on how to break in. People then start sharing opportunities with you. Um, a lot of it's run via back channels on WhatsApp, which is, you know, good or bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's how the industry seems to function. And it's also actually quite small in comparison to a lot of spaces, but it's grown massively in the past five to 10 years, especially in Europe. So what kind of, you know, what kind of tasks did you do? What were you involved in that kind of drove you to, you know, go further into venture capital? So the the freelance role was more platform, social media marketing based. Um, so I mainly ran the fund social media. I worked on a few things like press releases, other kind of allied things but I got exposure to the operations of a fund and I got to really understand what this fund does how they go about investing got me really interested so in the summer of my first year I interned for a fund called Social Impact Capital for five months and they're a New York based impact investing fund again investing at seed stage so very early stage into kind of all impact areas health climate um, things like that and that was more both investing in these companies and finding them, finding deals, but also looking at the impact metrics of their existing portfolio company. So a portfolio company is a company which you've already invested in and it's part of kind of your portfolio before they sell or IPO and looking at how they're growing and how you weave impact into that, which was really interesting. And it gives you a very different perspective, but also shows that VC has so many different roles. Like you can be an investor, you could be on platform, you could be on investor relations, you could be managing money, you could be doing ops, you could be doing legal, you could be doing, you know, accounting, marketing, all sorts. Um, and you, for- although these funds are small, you forget that all of this has to be done. A lot of it is done by the core members. So you can be an investor and you can also be fundraising and doing marketing all as part of your day to day, depending on the size of the fund. But bigger funds have kind of specific teams towards those towards those kind of functions so you'll find funds like Atomico or Local Globe or Axel um, or Index or Octopus they all have specific legal teams and accounting teams and fund ops teams that you'll if you have a emerging pre-seed manager with three people in the fund or four people in the fund a lot of it either is outsourced to law firms or you know, the different people who need to do the stuff or with things like marketing, you just run it yourself as an investor. And that's part of the day to day. And so you started your own company in your second, was it your second year in uni? It was, which one is Cataclysm? Cataclysm, yeah. Yeah, no, that was in my first year. Um, oh, so, okay. So... Could you talk about a bit more about that and like entrepreneurship? It's not actually a registered company, so it's more like an organization. But the background mm-hmm. behind it was I saw VC investment into spaces like fintech and health tech, but not as much into legal tech and was curious why. Um, and thought, why don't you group together angel investors? So angel investors, either high net worth individuals or people who kind of rather than putting them into real estate or ISAs or whatever, put it into startups because they like the risk um Mm -hmm. and they see the potential outcome um 
but the market crashed the next month and I realized I was kind of jumping to step three, which was kind of like pulling together these investors, trying to get them to invest in startups without setting the groundwork. So actually educating the wider investor community around legal tech and it's a massive problem is this disconnect within the legal tech ecosystem. Um, so you'll have, you'll have investors and you'll have founders who don't talk to lawyers and the lawyers don't talk to their own innovation teams. and it all becomes kind of very disconnected, which means you're not in the long term going to facilitate any growth and that growth will come from investment. So it's kind of shifted more now. Um, so capitalism currently in its current standing is, well, it's essentially a legal tech community and we connect founders, investors, lawyers, and it's all about just kind of making those people have better conversations um, to kind of further growth in the ecosystem and make sure people understand different aspects of the problems lawyers face so founders can build better and also how the founders are actually going about building it because a lot of the time the lawyers don't understand the technology that they're being presented with and then never end up using it. And so what were like some of the kind of difficulties that you encountered throughout your process and you know what kind of motivated you to you know, continue investing into your projects? I guess, like, being young, particularly, like, outside of the traditional career bubble, you know, everyone talks about this is how you get a training contract, but this is how you get your analyst role in consulting or banking or whatever. Um, no one talks about this is who you need to talk to to build this specific product or this mm. specific community, this specific company, whatever it is. Um, and you have to go figure that out. So cold outreach, going to events, meeting people, asking people for other people you should speak to. And that's specific to what you're building. Like if you're building an app, it's very different to if you're building a community, to if you're building an actual venture backable company and your priorities differ depending on where you're at and what you're doing and what stage you're at. So like I guess what kept me going with the community and like actually shifting it because I mean once I realized the syndicate wasn't going anywhere I could have just stopped but I think like I'd made those connections and I saw some value and people have made people have made kind of gotten value out of the community and it just proved that you know there's directions it can go in and I'm kind of exploring expanding it over the next few weeks bringing on some volunteer students and things like that but it's all about figuring out how you can grow that and how you can grow that kind of organically so I don't want to turn that into a full-time thing at all mm -hmm. I just want that there but I want to keep going with it and how do you over time slowly slowly month by month make a little bit of progress rather than a lot of the time if you're doing a venture back or startup a lot of people talk about exponential growth in the first two years and yeah sometimes that is required depending on like what you're building and all of that but this is a much longer term project with a much longer term aim and the aim is a bit more obscure. So it's not like there are definite outcomes. It's not like we have made five investments or I have kind of connected people to five, whatever. It's anyone can gain kind of value from it. So you said that you're not planning on making this like a full time job. So your main goal is to become a solicitor then. Um, yeah. So do you want to talk a bit more about specifically your legal career and your experiences in the legal field? Yeah. Um, so I guess like going into going into second year, like I had done a lot in startups. But in my first year, I did do an insight week um, at an international law firm. And 
I also spent a week at the civil service and was still unsure as to if I wanted to go down the law route or not. Um, and I guess the best way to find that out is doing back schemes and placements. Um, and so just thought there's no harm in applying. And I ended up getting a winter placement at Stevenson Harwood, which is a international law firm um, for offices, if I can remember correctly, in Piraeus, Shanghai, um, or rather not, or maybe it is Shanghai, I got either Beijing or Shanghai, Singapore, mm-hmm. Hong Kong, um, Paris, Dubai, and London. And they are very interesting because they kind of surround themselves around five key focus areas for the so they're a full service firm but they want to focus on five key kind of I don't know sectors if you want to call it that or focuses um which are decarbonization private capital and funds tech life sciences and transportation and trade um and I kind of did that week VAC scheme and as part of that you have an assessment center for a training contract which you do and I managed to get a TC off the back of that and they and then signed it in January. Still slightly unsure if I wanted to go down that route mm-hmm. but the firm actually called me up in June basically saying that they have a full-time paralegal role running on this case but the paralegal has just left that role and they're going to externally recruit which could take up to three months but they need someone like next week do I want to fill that role so I said yeah so I ended up working there this summer for three months and my role was kind of split across knowledge development um, and paralegaling so knowledge development is supporting kind of professional sport lawyers or knowledge development lawyers whatever you want to call them on kind of educating and keeping the department and their lawyers up to date with recent cases updates um you know any problems they have on particularly litigation on things like the civil procedure rules or you know how do you go to court what do you sort out about your case costs things like that and then on the other hand i was paralegaling primarily on this main on this case called interchange i can't talk too much about it um but essentially it was a very large group action case against mastercard and visa probably one of the biggest in uk history and very interesting to see how it ran on the ground and so yeah i guess it reaffirmed to me i had chosen the right firm but also kind of at least to start my career it's the i I think i'm going down the path i want to go down i think being being on a training contract you get exposure particularly on most firms where you're rotating every six months um you can go abroad you can go to clients you can spend you know six months in funds or p and you can spend the next six months in like shipping litigation and the other and doing like data protection and another in i don't know private wealth or employment so you get a lot of exposure to the wider commercial world and if you're if like me i don't think i'm ready to go out there and build a startup right now that i want to Mm -hmm. or um have any other areas which i genuinely kind of am interested in more than law at this point in time and that's likely to change and it does for a lot of people why not i think it's a really good learning opportunity and yeah the hours are long and you have to commit Mm -hmm. a lot but it's it's also even going in as a law student i found that everyone gravitated towards you know big firms big corporate commercial firms particularly the magic circle and i realized after first year i didn't want the magic circle at least start my career at because 
the trainee cohorts, the intakes are 90, 100, 110 every year. That means at any given point, you'll have at least 200 trainees in the firm, whilst SH take about 25 each cohort every year. So you have about 50 in the firm. So it's very different. Um, mm -hmm. And it means you're less of a number and you get a lot more responsibility if you put yourself out there and you still get exposed to really high high-end work um in the market and you know your opposite magic circle on many transactions and on many on many cases so yeah i think it's a really good place to start but i think like for most law students they just gravitate towards that without exploring other things and i think like having explored venture having explored entrepreneurship it made my decision more informed and it was also just like very useful in talking points and interviews and meeting people and even when I was there this summer you know you would meet people who'd work with funds who you had worked with and things like that. Oh well first of all congratulations on your training contract. Thank you. Um, and then I just wanted to ask if you have any um, you know reflecting on your achievements in your journey do you have any specific advice that you would like to share um with law students right now or just people who are just starting their careers and trying to navigate um in the commercial world and also talk a bit more about how you managed to do all of that at the same time and how to balance all of that with your life and not get burnt out yeah um i think like my biggest piece of advice is being open-minded like going into first year i was applying to banks i was applying to consulting firms you know I, I spent time in the civil service like i also applied to law firms um and i would have like even if you're going to second year or third year like if you still haven't like had that experience still be open-minded and keep applying but i think like balancing that alongside the exposure to startups and working in venture and doing those other things you know i spent time for five months at a vc fund i've spent large chunks of time part-time during my studies with startups and other things um and i think that exposure is useful regardless of where in the commercial world you end up because you know i i will now go into law like only the other week i was speaking to a funds lawyer and it's like i understand and I, i'm i'm by no means an expert but i i have a greater understanding of how these funds operate i have a better understanding of where the law firm plays a role within the kind of life cycle of a fund uh, from from actually raising the fund and fundraising from limited partners all the way to kind of you know closing it off um and kind of how they make investments why they what they might need advice on depending on where they invest and who their portfolio are and if they're in life sciences and you know what regulatory aspects go into that but i wouldn't understand that had i not had the exposure to venture and you know you can replicate that and i'm not saying pe and vc are the same thing because they're not um but you can replicate that understanding somewhat especially in terms of a lot of the terminology um in other aspects of the fund space and similarly in startups like understanding actually the tech that these startups are working on and how that applies to law or even in kind of a consulting context it gives you it gives you a lot of it shifts your mindset about how you kind of go about how you go about kind of looking at things and looking at questions and kind of dealing with things um so i think yeah going to university for a second year in particular really open-minded like try societies take on roles look for part-time roles in startups and other spaces um apply to as many things as possible but make sure it's kind of like quality applications but also 
I I don't I don't believe that there's anything wrong with applying to multiple industries when you're still figuring it out because at the point you're still figuring it out and you wouldn't know you enjoy it until you do it. Mm-hmm. And like even once I did my vaccine, it was a week and I got some exposure. I still didn't fully, to be honest, understand kind of the role of a lawyer and it's very different in every single department like i spent three months this summer in combat but i would speak to people in finance like paralegals in finance and trainees in finance and they were running large aspects of deals on things like ship financing and aviation financing um whilst in combat it's it's uh, combat is commercial litigation sorry um and you there's a lot less client-facing contact because anything can be used against you in court. And only once you can prove yourself, you get kind of the responsibility to email clients and things like that. Um, so it's very different. And you wouldn't know that until you do it. And then I guess in terms of balancing things, I think like there are a few things I like to do. Um, so time blocking is one. So really make sure you kind of you know your priorities. This is, and then going to third year, there's something I really want to try out is actually kind of setting weekly priorities and goals across everything. Um, I I kind of knew what I needed to do on a weekly basis in first and second year, but I didn't kind of set those goals. So it, a lot of the things that w- did not have deliverables, like tutorial work or an essay or, um, you know, a deadline at work, would be pushed into next week because it was just kind of on a list and it wasn't actually prioritized and set about. And that's something I want to focus on more in third year. But second year was very busy because balancing applications alongside everything else is hard and you end up sacrificing a lot of social time um particularly when you're also like on two society positions and working and applying and studying and everything else Mm -hmm. Um, but it's all about kind of balance and it's yeah it's figuring it out I think a lot of the time don't be hard on yourself because you're still a student and I think you know actually having now you know work full-time in both vc and in law um you can see kind of and i can see kind of the things i learned in balancing things in my first year in particular you can apply that to working because in work you'll have competing priorities completing deadlines you could be stopped on three different cases or you can you know have a seminar which you're running the next day but also have a court deadline and you also need to send like five emails and all of that um more like 50 but anyway um so i think just take it easy but also make sure you kind of know what you want and go after it and if you and kind of like figure it out along the way i think like there's no better way to do it Mm -hmm. well i I agree with that i think it's especially open-mindedness like you mentioned is very important which is i think something that i realized just like at the end of the first year yeah thank you for the advice and you know just speaking about yourself and your journey um so i think now i just want to transition into from talking about uh, our second topic which is uh venture capital and its rise and growth in europe so is so how did venture capital develop in Europe and is it something that started developing faster more recently or was it kind of more established already? I think so VC like at least the the form of VC investing in technology companies in particular came out of the the Bay Area um, and Silicon Valley and 
that's how these companies grew because they got this capital investment to actually start and then they started getting more investment and started to grow and you know vcs funded google and vcs funded microsoft and all of that um but in europe i think you were you already always had kind of your traditional your traditional investors um asset managers investment managers like diggy hubs like london paris frankfurt um or it always had that and then you'd have places in italy in milan where you have like high concentration and pine with individuals who might invest in startups um but it was never kind of established in the way it is today where there's more of an ecosystem which connects vc to these companies it was more a lot of the time these companies kind of represent an idea and if you know the right people you might get some investment but over the past and there have been funds you know who were around in the 2000s um but they were a handful over the past 10 years you've had so many funds pop up um and i think it's comes down to kind of the potential for returns in europe and the potential for those returns are higher when you see kind of more and more startups kind of growing and exiting and making money so you know in the uk a lot of the startups which are venture backed you might have heard of deliveroo or babylon health and babylon's probably not the best best example um but you'll have dark trace or you know in in mainland europe spotify was venture back or shazam um and they're more on the consumer facing side and then you'll have kind of b2b companies um a lot of which you probably have never heard of unless you're kind of in those enterprise spaces but they do a lot regardless um and so over time this kind of money started to float in and more and more people got into the space and more and more startups realized actually there's potential for us to grow because this money exists to kind of fuel our growth and so more and more people wanted to start their own startup and it becomes a cyclical cycle where the space starts to grow so are there like any specific um maybe economic factors that contributed to the rise of startups in europe specifically or was it just something that developed because of something other or maybe it just became more popular so what kind of factors contributed to that i think a lot of it goes down to talent um you know europe particularly london has always been up for finance that's useful because vc is a asset class of finance um but more than anything i think it was less the economic factors because you see we've we've had the financial crash and after that we saw a lot of fintech startups come up um and you know you had covid-19 and you've had kind of these things which have kind of plummeted the economy per se but vc has seemed to generally it may, you may have seen a drop in investment in those periods of time but in terms of the asset class and the number of assets under management aka like the number of portfolio companies and how much they're valued at has just increased it's not like gone like that um and the fact that there are more funds so i don't think it's economic climates i think it goes down to a few things i think the tech cap, the tech potential in europe is high 
particularly in the UK university, so you have a lot of biotech spinouts, you have a lot of um, cyber spinouts, things like that, which have huge potential if they're kind of implemented in the right way. And you also have that all across Europe. So on the academic front, but you also have a lot of people who are trained in software engineering who are really good marketers and things like that. And when you kind of combine those, you create a really good atmosphere and a really good ecosystem to kind of build upon. Um, and in that sense, you see these startups really starting to pop up and succeed. And when you see them succeeding, more and more people recognize kind of their potential and realize actually, let me raise a fund so I can invest in more of these. Are there any like specific sectors that you see a lot of startups grow more? Um, so you like you mentioned, I think tech is one of the hot topics right now. But is there anything else that's yeah. like a big industry? I mean, most of the time, tech is what VCs invest in, and it plays a role mm-hmm. into other industries. So you know, you have climate tech and all of those energy solutions with the tech element to them. And similarly, you might have that with fintech. But even on the hardware side, like climate tech can be um, carbon capture technology or um, kind of, you know, technology which harnesses the use of carbon in our atmosphere to kind of actually support our day-to-day life and sucks it out of the atmosphere. So actually, Queen Mary have a social venture fund and we invested in a startup um, which has a device and you attach that device to a bicycle tire and whilst you cycle, it essentially sucks up um, carbon out the atmosphere whilst you cycle. Um, which obviously is mitigating the effects of climate change, which is quite cool. Yeah, I guess tech it always plays a role, and that's what traditional VCs invest in, like even their consumer companies. Um, most of them seem to have a tech element to them. Not all, but a lot. And I think like growth areas like crypto a few years ago was massive, but I, I didn't really see the, the, the hype. Um, I didn't really understand the bubble. I mean, right now, AI is huge. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's investing in it. I definitely see that as somewhat of a bubble, but I think actually the use cases are much higher than kind of the Web3 crypto kind of cycle that we had a couple of years ago. Um, because I just, it, it, you just don't understand the use cases in a traditional organization for a normal human being and how that will support them in their day-to-day lives. Um, whilst with AI, there's a lot of tools which are very useful in what you do, what I do as a student or for lawyers or for whoever and there's all these specific tools which are more industry specific i guess you could still class them as enterprise software or SaaS, mm-hmm. but ai is definitely a growth a growth space i think climate is also a massive growth space right now i think there's a lot of people pulling money into it because they recognize kind of the long-term potential that if these technologies work um it can massively mitigate the effects of climate change and i think like there's only so much you can do with government policy and government policy and the investment landscape needs to align well with kind of the startup and venture environment but government again uh, are decision makers and they're, they're not actually implementing kind of the solutions to these issues i think those are the two main ones i mean we'll still continue to see growth in areas like fintech enterprise SaaS will never die like we will always need new solutions to business problems um i guess you we're also seeing more of a rise in deep tech in hardware in areas like that particularly in europe where actually europe probably has an edge on in comparison to the us where we actually have kind of the academic research in large institutions like even at queen mary you know we've got qm innovation we've got social venture fund which invests in our own companies things like that but i think 
hardware is becoming a massive focus, you know, where, where you have business problems like cybersecurity, which is becoming bigger, data protection, compliance, um, there you'll, you'll, you'll start to find where you see general problems that businesses are facing. People will start to find solutions via startups and tech, and that will then create a bigger investment, lamp, uh, bigger investment opportunity rather for these funds. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, and what's in VC, what are the benefits and like the risks or challenges that you see with VC funding? Yeah, are you talking, are you talking like from a startup perspective, like what are the advantages and disadvantages of taking VC funding? Or are you talking kind of like just VC in general? I think more like VC in general, but if we, I guess we could also cover from a startup perspective because it's interesting to see different perspectives on this. Yeah, I guess because they kind of link in a sense. I mean, when you when when you're a startup and you take VC funding, you're essentially giving away equity in your company, um, and a lot of people don't want to do that, and a lot of people particularly don't want to do that early because the more equity you give away, ultimately when you exit, which is when you sell or you IPO the less shares you own and the less you'll make off it. And it also kind of people, uh, people say that it disincentivizes CEOs when they get much later down the line to actually work hard because they have less equity in the company. And the less equity you have, the more investor control you have. Um, and sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes it is, but it, it just depends on the company and, you know, it's each individual basis. I think like the advantage of VC funding, it just means that we're going to have more startups. We're going to have it's going to create economic growth generally, but as part of that, it will create more jobs, more opportunities, more opportunities in sectors which didn't really exist a few years ago, like climate. Um, and it means that people can kind of, you know, there's more, for, for recent grads, there's a lot more opportunities to go into startups and venture. And I think it means that you don't need to necessarily go down the traditional career path. And even later down the line, you know, people leaving places like law and banking and consulting and, you know, the high powered jobs. Um, per se are have more options and have more exit opportunities and so there's that and then i guess again on the disadvantage side i don't really think it's necessarily a disadvantage but it it does mean that kind of large amounts of capital are pulled in certain people's hands and it means that if venture and i i'm not saying it does currently but if the industry operates in ways in which it's undiverse um, and invests in any certain types of people, certain types of companies. It really kind of limits growth in other spaces and in certain types of businesses. So, yeah, I I hope that answered mm -hmm. the question. Yeah, yeah. And on an end note, are there any recent news or case studies that you could uh, suggest looking into if someone's interested in that or, you know, any resources for someone who wants to get more into it? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're interested in venture and why venture doesn't sometimes succeed, maybe read into kind of, I don't really want to call it the collapse of Babylon Health, but it essentially was. Mm -hmm. Babylon was really, it was one of the really big UK health tech startups, you know, I think they hit unicorn status, but recently there's been a lot of news about them selling off different service lines and different assets. Um, and why? Because they were a venture capital company, they were Europe-based, they, they were in the health space, so it was quite impactful. 
So maybe look into that. I think more broadly, like if you're interested in VC legals, there's a book called the I'm looking at it on my shelf, The Secrets of Sand Hill Road. I haven't finished it yet, but it essentially is written by the general counsel. Um, I think of Andreessen Horowitz. He's at least a partner in uh A16Z Andreessen Horowitz is a really, really well known American VC fund. Um, but it talks a lot about kind of if you if you're going out to raise a raise a funding round, like what you need to think about in your term sheet, in your startup agreement, in your co-founder agreement, you know, all of that. Like if you're more deep tech startup, like what do you need to think about in terms of IP, all of that. But it's a good book. Um I think like if you're interested in the tech and VC space more generally, like read things like Sifted, subscribe to their newsletter. Sifted is kind of the startup subsidiary of the FT. So the FT doesn't really talk much about startups. Sifted does. Um, but the FT is also great. Like I listen to the FT morning briefing um, most days and that's quite useful. I think just like be curious. So I would always like find resources on LinkedIn, have a look on Spotify. There's always new podcasts out. Um, and yeah. Just last point, I don't know if you sort of answered this already when we're talking about the sectors and uh, VC activity uh, recently, but where do you see it going in the future? Um, I definitely see VC, I, I definitely see great VC investment in Europe. I think like we, ha- we seem to tend to gravitate towards these bubbles and Web3 is a bubble part of AI will probably be a bubble because you'll find some use cases, but you'll also find some just tools which just exist as tools. I, I, I think venture will continue to grow. I think we're going to continue to see greater investment. Um, I think it, in the long term, there'll be more jobs in the sector and more broadly, you'll see more startups kind of popping up. But I also think like in an economic climate like now where people are investing less than a couple of years ago, um, you'll also see investors are more cautious of where they invest and so it might be a longer term game until you see that but i definitely see kind of i don't see venture leaving london in particular anytime soon and i think like space here like london is a city in particular where um it's kind of perfect for vc investment because you have the traditional finance and backing which will kind of help you raise these funds but you also then have kind of really really strong tech talent and really really strong operational talent which will help run these startups and ultimately talent is how these companies start to grow um and so it creates a perfect environment for it and you know being a big city doesn't do you any harm because there's just more people and more opportunities Thank you so much for our conversation today. It was very insightful. Um, at least I found it insightful, and I hope everyone else does as well. Um, and I, I will link your LinkedIn in my description of the episode. So feel free to check that, that page out. And I will do the same with everything that you recommended. Thank you so much for coming today. It was a pleasure to great. talk to you. It was great to talk to you too. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Big thanks to our guests for joining us. I'm sure listeners soaked up some awesome insights. Your thoughts and feedback mean the world to us, so if you're eager to contribute, leave a review or drop your suggestions for upcoming episodes. Join the Suitup community on LinkedIn, where your insights can shape the future of our discussions. And before you go, remember that our guest-curated list of recommendations will be waiting for you in the episode description and on our LinkedIn page. So until next time, keep those ambitions high, dream higher, and remember... 
The journey to success is always better when you suit up.